Hello everybody, this is Scott from Zonisodes. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of a peek under the hood. You see, we started looking at these Twilight Zone episodes all the way back in 2017. And as I record this, it's 2022. You see, we took a bit of a hiatus that turned into about a four-year gap completely entirely my fault but we are back and we are recording new episodes but before we get those new episodes out we wanted to re-release the original show so you can get caught up with all of the old episodes before we dive in to some of the new ones so these first 19 shows are going to be a bit dated you're going to hear us talk about the bright future of 2022 and you're going to hear us talk about a new twilight zone show by jordan peele that's coming out that now has run its course of two seasons so just bear with with us and when we get to episode 20 which is elegy those will be brand new shows thank you again for checking us out we ask you to go to our new website not the one i talk about at the end of this show but our new website anchor.fm slash zonisodes that's anchor.fm slash zone dash i dash sodes so you can see all the places you can subscribe to the podcast as well as check out our social media we would love to hear from you and please 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 if you could give us a like give us a review it really does help the show grow thanks so much and on with the show there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man it is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between radio and bar talk, between commentary and recaps, and it lies between the pit of man's Netflix subscriptions and the summit of his binge-watching ability. This is the dimension of podcasting and the Twilight Zone. These are the Zonisodes. And now your hosts... Brandon Davis and Scott McFarland. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to the Front Row Movie Reviews, the podcast for people who actually like movies and TV. Uh, my name is Scott McFarland, and welcome to episode 10 of our Zonisodes retrospective of every single Twilight Zone episode from the original series. We are now looking at, again, episode 10, which is. Oh my goodness! I Judgment Night. That's it. My brain just died for a second. <laughs> I have I have been up for almost twenty four hours. Judgment Night is what we were looking at. With me today to discuss Judgment Night, as always, is Brandon Davis, your classics host. And he is a classic, is he not? No. Maybe someday. <laughs> a man can dream until he jumps out of a window. But that's but that was last week. Last week. A man can dream about Michelle Pfeiffer, but that's another week, too. Okay. <laughs> Callbacks. So we're to, let's talk a little bit about Judge and I. First off, uh, to give you a little synopsis of the episode, Carl Lancer finds himself on a British convoy ship in 1942. He has no memory of why he is there, but he does know his name, and he knows an awful lot about Nazi submarines. As time goes by, he begins to remember more about who he is. And soon, he realizes that he is the captain of a U-boat, and he is now on a ship that he had already destroyed once before. He tries to warn the other people on the ship, but they do not heed his warnings, and eventually, they disappear. The ship is destroyed, and we see Carl back on his U-boat, discussing the merits of killing civilians with his XO. The XO warns Carl 
that karma is much more nasty than a torpedo, and that they find they may find themselves damned to repeat the uh, the deaths of their victims for all of eternity. The prediction rings true as Carl finds himself once again on the ill-fated ghost ship as we end the episode. And Brandon, what does Rod have to say to start us off? Her name is the SS Queen of Glasgow. Her registry, British. Gross tonnage, 5,000. Age, indeterminate. At the moment, she's one day out of Liverpool, her destination, New York. Duly recorded on the ship's log is the sailing time, course to destination, weather conditions, temperature, longitude and latitude, but what is never recorded in a log is the fear that washes over a deck like fog and ocean spray. Fear like the throbbing strokes of engine pistons, each like a heartbeat, parceling out of every hour into breathless minutes of watching, waiting, and dreading. For the year is 1942, and this particular ship has lost its convoy. It travels alone like an aged, blind thing, groping through the unfriendly dark, stalked by unseen periscopes of steel killers. Yes, the Queen of Glasgow is a frightened ship, and she carries with her a premonition of death. Do 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 do. So, Brandon, <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are your first impressions of Judgment Night? I had never seen this episode before. Really? Let, yeah. And this let one me tell has played you, a lot. Let me tell you, it, it was like like this. Even though I had seen Perchance to Dream before last time, this was very very fresh for me it was very um uh, just i don't you know i i thought i knew what was coming and i didn't know what was coming and i the ending just got me and um it, it the the whole the whole tone of it the whole serling's writing um you know he he really is upping his game now and uh the, this episode is really you know, we'll, we'll figure out, you know, where I'm going to rank it later, but just in terms of just personally enjoying an episode, this is one of the top ones for me. Well, way to bury the lead there, Brandon. Well, I, I still don't know where I'm going to place it alongside others. I don't know where I'm going to put it on my scale of one to eight yet. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, I, I'm the exact opposite uh, in terms of recollection. This episode is another one of those that I have seen so many times I could never tell you when I first saw it. Uh, it is played a lot in syndication. It's always on the marathons for good reason. Um, but I, I like this episode for several different reasons. One, the historical aspect of it. Um, yeah. 1942, if you were on a sailing ship in the Atlantic, this is the fear you felt. Wolf packs were making life very dangerous uh, on the Atlantic Ocean, uh, especially yeah. after 41 when the U.S. had already entered the war. But they were doing this for years prior to the U.S. entering the war. Um, and, and British ships had to deal with that uh, quite a bit. So that's one aspect that I really enjoy about this episode. But also the thing that I, I love a good ghost story. And yes. this is the first time on the Twilight Zone we're getting a ghost story. It will not be the last by any shape of the imagination. I guess potentially you could say 16 millimeter is kind of a ghost story, but this truly is our first real ghost story. Yeah. Um, 
and any episode that can make me almost feel bad for a Nazi uh, <laughs> is trying really hard and doing really well to do so. <laughs> wait, so that's my first impression. Yeah, yeah, but but the, but the thing is, throughout the episode, you don't really. You're like, okay, maybe he's a good Nazi. <laughs> you know, there is such a thing. He's like the <laughs> ones who went to Wisconsin are just being found now. The old Nazis. <laughs> I found one in Minnesota like two weeks ago. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, just a really, really, um, really strong episode. Really, really different from I feel like from anything we've seen so far. I feel Absolutely. like Rod's. I feel like Rod's really experimenting now, and doing well at it as, yes. as well. Um, yeah. So that's my first impressions. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess, I guess we talk about what works for us since you're hosting the episode. Though. <laughs> oh, am I? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I'm waiting for you to move on to the next thing. And you're not moving on. And I'm just like, Brandon, move on to the next thing. And now I'm realizing that this is, again, this is what happens when you've been up for almost 24 hours. Um, you, you lose track of who's hosting the episode. Okay, so let's move That's on. Right. <laughs> let's move on to uh, what, we, what we liked about the episode. And I'm going to guess, just a hunch, we have a, quite a bit to talk about. So, Brandon, go ahead. Yeah. Well, let's just start. We usually start off with uh, the the cast of the episode, and Nehemiah Persoff is fantastic in this episode. Uh, Nehemiah Persoff, who actually is still with us at the age of ninety seven, um, we need really, to get him on really the episode. Strong. I know. I don't. He's probably not doing anything. I, I, there, it, it, there's not many people out there who can come and talk about an episode that they were on. Obviously. So I think uh, we we need to take that and run with it. Find this man, What's uh, put, a, put a camera in his face, and let's do this. Let's see. He retired from acting in 99, is devoted full-time to his painting. He lives with his wife in Cambria, California. So. I'll buy one of his paintings if he gets on an episode <laughs> with us. But no, just a really, really good actor, was seen on television a lot. I'm looking at his credits. He did episodes of... The Untouchables of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Naked City, Wild Wild West, Gilligan's Island, Gunsmoke, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Adam-12, Mission Impossible. So uh, was on a lot of stuff, was in movies like The Comancheros with John Wayne, The Greatest Story Ever Told, and uh, played uh, Little Bonaparte, one of the gangsters in one of my favorite movies, Some Like It Hot, just the same year that this uh, episode aired. So... Um, Really, really solid, solid actor. But, but like I said, or like you said, um, really almost makes you sympathize with a Nazi, and uh, that's that's hard almost. to do. Almost, that's hard to do. Ray Ray Fines couldn't do that. Uh, no. <laughs> Ray Fines can't do much, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, um, I really there is a whole. From the beginning, just the way it's shot. I mean, the the ship itself, because of the 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 way that the camera has the fog going and everything, the ship itself looks like a ghost um, when 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 you first see it, and then when you see him by himself on the deck and everything, there is just this incredible eerie feeling. Um, the entire episode, and there's this there's this hint of mystery throughout the whole thing, and. Um, uh, just I don't know just just 
everything that goes on up until you you know the climax once the once the ship's being attacked and and you you don't know what he's you don't know if he's what he's seeing is real you don't know if it's not real um you know when, when he sees passengers and they're or they're they're disappearing and then when you finally realize what's going on and the uh just the enormity of it up until that final scene i don't know the whole episode just builds and builds and builds and then when, when that final scene hits it gets you and um and when you realize what you've seen yeah i agree uh on the on the acting side you know a couple times now, even on good episodes, we've complained about um, actors who maybe didn't give the best performance they could have. But I don't see this in this episode at all. Even no. the supporting actors do extremely well. I mean, the captain, uh, it, the way he questions uh, Carl, but also, even though he's questioning Carl, he's also being somewhat sympathetic to the guy who's probably just freaking out because they're on very dangerous waters. Um, I also love how this episode is made to be claustrophobic for the most part. Oh, yeah. Um, when you, you have extreme close-ups, a lot, uh, and you have angles uh, on the camera work that makes you feel like, even though uh, obviously a ship's going to be claustrophobic anyway, but even when he's on the main deck and there's plenty of room... Uh, he's it's just kind of tight uh, and yeah. it makes you feel that foreboding uh, even the captain kind of sa says you know a ship could be 30 feet off our bow and we wouldn't see it right now because it's so foggy uh, mm -hmm. obviously that's um, that's kind of um, uh, talking about the ethereal nature of what's going on but we don't realize that yeah. at the beginning uh, yeah. so it, it's it's a very it's an episode to where as it builds and as you start realizing that Carl has is having at least premonitions, if not something else, and when he gets to a point where he actually knows the exact minute that's going to happen, um, yeah. it, it, that, 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 that sense of, um, uh, of just, again, foreboding and that sense of, um, uh, of fear just builds so well in this. I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm. I also, I also liked. Um, it, it was interesting. I, I noticed the uh, the first officer in the episode. I recognized, and I couldn't put my finger on who he was. And then uh, when I went to uh, went online to look to see who it was, it was Patrick McNee, who was John Steed in the Avengers, the original '60s series. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, M mini rant for a moment. What? <laughs> picture me. Picture me. Uh, it's the nineties. Um, uh -huh. I I'm a Marvel fan. I was always a Marvel fanboy, uh -huh. and so uh -huh. I see that coming to the movie theaters is an Avenger movie, and I'm an idiot, and I don't. I, I'm not as into trailers and everything that I am now, and the internet doesn't exist the way it does now. So I go to see a, an Avengers movie. And I find out I'm watching Sean Connery in a teddy bear outfit. And <laughs> oh, that oh, that movie was awful. That movie was awful. <laughs> so that's that's all I know about the British Avengers is uh, uh, is that oh, episode. Oh, Which, oh wasn't the 60s. That Ray, wasn't that Ray Fiennes again? <laughs> yes, and Uma Thurman. And yes. Sean Connery. It, oh, in one of the many oh, that roles movie that did not career. That movie, that movie did not do that TV series justice. And I will tell you, to tell you how much of a 
Marvel or DC or anything fanboy I am not. When uh, the whole Avengers franchise started coming out, I thought they were redoing the Avengers 60s series. <laughs> well, now I don't feel as bad or stupid. No. Or maybe, maybe I should still. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. But... Um, but <laughs> But you're hosting, so you segue. No, no, I, I, I'm just, I'm just making sure you've, you've completed your, your, your discussion yeah, of uh, British I've television. I've completed my thought. I've completed my thought. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's move on to uh, what are some things that uh, didn't work for us? What do you got? You know, in all honesty, I don't think much of anything doesn't work. But um, I, uh, I really. You, you know, uh, so, some people might say that that final dialogue that um, that 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 Lancer has with um, with with that uh, crew member right before you know you know when you find out might be a little heavy-handed, but I yeah. I, I you know it, it might it, it might be I it didn't take me out of the episode when I watched it, um, but I I think. I think a lot, I think you didn't have to say it. I think the, what happened in the previous 21, 22 minutes set it all for you. You didn't have to really hash it out again. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like at the end of psycho, um, after you've seen all this stuff happen and you have to have that psychiatrist come in and tell you exactly why Norman Bates is doing what he's doing. You know why he's doing it. He's got mommy but, issues. <laughs> <laughs> Too much yeah, breastfeeding. And that's that's the only time when I watched the episode where I thought, oh, might not have needed that, but still, but it was well acted and well done, so I can give it. I like you say. Some people might say, "Well, I'm some people." Um, I, I I wish that scene would be gone. Um, yeah. Uh, two reasons. One, you already hit on that it's a little heavy-handed, and we we see Carl as the monster that he was, and I get that. I think there would have been a better way. I think if you would have set it on the bridge and just maybe had the XO say, there may be, there may be uh, civilians on that ship, and then Carl just says, fire. And, you know, and we get the idea after that point, you know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I don't like about that, uh, that scene cinematically is I, I just talked about how I really enjoyed the claustrophobicness and the, yeah. the, the foreboding atmosphere and then you go to a U-boat, and it literally is probably some studio head's office that they use to film it in. It is yeah. white, tall walls. I, there, there are so many very good submarine films. Uh, das Boot. Um, I would even say U-571. It's not exactly the uh, <laughs> a cinematic masterpiece, but you watch the movies like that, and you're going to get the impression of what a U-boat was like. And being from Illinois... Um, I don't know about you, Brandon, but I've had the experience of actually being on a U-boat because the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago has a U-boat, and you can yep. go on it. And, and, and there is not one place on that U-boat where that office setting would ever be found. And it just took me out of an extremely good episode for that few moments. Like you, it isn't something that's going to ruin the episode for me, but I just wish they would have taken a little bit more time and either set dress that office <laughs> or not used it yeah. at all. Um, 
and that it's it would have been it's my one complaint is that entire yeah. scene just doesn't work for me but luckily it's not unlike last week it's not the last scene we get we do find Carl back on the boat again uh, and we have we have no idea how many times he's groundhog day this thing uh, but obviously he's gonna be doing this for eternity and so I'm glad that we end with that shot more so than the office space shot no I would I mean I would I would spend an eternity in Punxsutawney over on a Nazi U-boat. <laughs> but I completely uh, agree with you on that. But it uh, but but yeah, there's just something about that last scene because 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 you're right. I mean that 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 scene didn't spoil it for me. But they could have gone from the you, you know the, the the sinking of that ship and just you know flash forward to him back on the boat again and we would have known what what had happened well what, especially uh, yeah especially since earlier he he looks out in the distance and sees himself on top of the u-boat so yeah and he also we we saw the hat which said that he was a uh, uh, the captain of the boat so mm -hmm. there are, there are two other times where we get the the knowledge that he was the captain so yeah. it's not hard to make the connection that because he killed civilians, he's, yeah. he's damned to to live their life and feel their pain. So um, it's an unneeded scene, yeah. and and uh, unfortunately, it's it, it's it's the it's the one thing that doesn't that makes this episode not perfect. So, but speaking, I, oh, go ahead. Just, no, but I was just saying there's just certain shots in this thing, like when you see that doll floating in the water or Absolutely. things like that. And, and you think about the you think about the the horrific nature of what of what this man did and the fact that at the beginning of the episode you're actually liking him and feeling for him and everything, and then you realize what he did and there's such a you know, moral conflict there and everything. It's um Serling, you know, now as we get up to this point, certain episodes, you know, these and, and there, there are moments of perchance to dream. There's moments here where everything's shot so cinematically, stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see on television back then, unless you were probably a Western, because Westerns had the bigger budgets. But um, just, um, just really, really Im impressive, and um, just really. You can tell now that we're heading into an area where Twilight Zone is just going to get bigger and better from here. Yeah, and we have a hundred and forty-six episodes to find that out. <laughs> yeah, not everything's going to be bigger and better, <laughs> especially, as we get, especially as we get to season five. <laughs> I keep saying, man, we're gonna we're gonna end on a high note. It's going to be the bewitching pool. Oh, four, four, four years from now, we're going to hit the bewitching pool, and it's going to be an amazing way to end this series. <laughs> we're going to be begging for that recap podcast at the end. <laughs> Moose and squirrel. <laughs> we're we're going to have to, yeah, we're going to have to recap season five and then recap the whole series in another. <laughs> Welcome to our fifth recap of the recaps. <laughs> okay, so, well... That's several years down the road and potentially yes. a couple presidencies down the road. So um, oh, read, read into that as you will. Uh, we're waiting for your President Pence. We're waiting. Um, <laughs> 
So uh, let's go. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, give our rankings for this episode. Again, uh, we use a scale of one to ten or one to eight if you're me, uh, and uh, 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 we compare it with other episodes. So a five on the scale would be an average Twilight Zone episode. A one would be uh, uh, the worst episode, Bewitching Pool, uh, and uh, a ten would be the best episode out there. So, uh, Brandon, where would you rank Judgment Night? Okay, well, as I go to rank these episodes, I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, what's the highest episode I've ranked? And Walking Distance is the only one I've given a 10 to so far. And still in my mind, Walking Distance is the best episode of Twilight Zone we've seen so far. Um, I've, got, I've got time enough at last at 9, because despite all of the flaws that we talked about, to me, still holds up, still is one of the benchmarks of the Twilight Zone. Um, Last last week, I put Perchance to Dream at 8 because it was very fresh to me, and I, I think it, it's just really a solid original episode, and I feel the same way about this episode. I'm going uh, to give this episode an 8. Okay. Um, as I jokingly uh, mentioned uh, last episode, uh, I, I, I mistakenly ranked Walking Distance at an 8, not realizing how much I really liked that episode. So uh, Walking Distance for me is also the, the best episode we've run into so far, and I don't want to score anything higher than that right now. Uh, and I think um, this is one step below that. For me, the reason why it's one step below it is um, uh, I, just, I just enjoy the message and the theme of Walking Distance more uh, yeah. than Judgment Night. But Judgment Night is, I would argue, probably the second best episode we've run into so far. Hmm. And because of that, I'm going to give it a seven. Good. Okay. So that will uh, wrap things up for us here on Judgment Night. Uh, we'll finish up with uh, Brandon uh, telling us a little bit of what Rod said at the end of this episode. Sure. And he's, uh, this is probably the, the, the wordiest uh, script that he's done so far for any episode almost. Uh, here's the closing. The SS Queen of Glasgow headed for New York, and the time is 1942. For one man, it is always 1942, and this man will ride the ghost ship every night for eternity. This is what is meant by paying the fiddler. This is the comeuppance awaiting every man when the ledger of his life is opened and examined, the tally made, and then the reward or the penalty paid. And in the case of Carl Lancer, former Captain Lieutenant Navy of the Third Reich, this is the penalty. This is the justice meted out. This is judgment night in the Twilight Zone. Very good, very good. So thanks again for uh, joining us on this, uh, the 10th episode of our Twilight Zone review. Uh, you can find us and the Front Row Movie Reviews at thefrontrowmoviereviews.com. There you'll be able to check out all of our shows as well as all the previous episodes of this, uh, Brandon's Classics, My Flashbacks, uh, Beyond the Mouse, Full Disclosure, so forth and so on. Uh, if you're finding us on your podcast uh device please make sure to subscribe to us and to give us a review uh and then also if you're finding us on youtube please be sure to subscribe and like as well we want to get out to uh more people and to um to share our enjoyment of this show with other folks and to do that we need to wind up in some search engines and we need some reviews and likes for that so help us out um and if you ever want to get a hold of us and tell us uh what you like and what you don't like about this show you can get a hold of us at the front row movie reviews at gmail.com so until next week uh, i am scott mcfarland and with me as always is brandon davis 
he does classics. <laughs> and <laughs> so until next week, remember, if you kill innocent lives, you're damned to be on a British ship, which is bad in many ways. Uh, so yeah. until next time, we will uh, see you on the couch. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zonisodes. Zonisodes is a special presentation of the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast. For more information, go to www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com.